Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Scott Knuckles with The Untold Story. Thank you for joining me. I hope today's message will drive you to a greater faith, a more lasting hope, and a deeper love for others and yourself. I'm reminded of the quote by Thomas Edison. He said, Many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. Let's get started with today's podcast. I'd like to start today's podcast with a quote. Who said, I go out into the streets and look for Jesus in disguise? How many of you have ever heard the name Agnes Bioxu? Agnes was born on August 26, 1910 in Macedonia. Her father died when she was only eight years old. As a young girl, she went to Mass and sang in the choir. By age 12, she was determined to serve the Lord with her whole heart. Her dream was to become a missionary. At age 18, she decided to become a nun. She set off for Ireland to join the Sisters of Laredo to learn English in order to do just that. After leaving home, she would never see her mother or sister again. It was there that she took the name Mary Teresa. By 1929, she moved to India where she became a teacher at St. Teresa's School. And in 1937, she acquired the name Mother Teresa. By age 34, she became principal of that school, but her heart was unsettled. By 1946, her life was transformed. She became increasingly disturbed by the poverty she saw in Calcutta, India. That's when she decided to pursue her calling of helping the poor by staying with the poor in the slums of Calcutta. Mother Teresa wrote in her diary that her first year was fraught with difficulty. With no income, she begged for food and supplies and experienced doubt, loneliness, and the temptation to return to the comfort of convent life. What would drive Mother Teresa to do such a thing? What would compel her to leave her home never to return again? If you hear her tell it, she was looking for Jesus in disguise. Unsurprising for Mother Teresa, her mission came straight from Matthew 25, verses 35 and 36. Jesus said, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. And I needed clothes, and you clothed me. And I was in prison, and you visited me. They said, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty, needing clothes or shelter, or imprisoned? As much as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it for me. Our scripture reading for this podcast is found in John chapter 13. There's this intersection I'd like to look at closely, a collision course between two figures with opposite views. One was Jesus who was on a mission to save mankind that we might have a relationship with God through him. The other is Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples. 
Judas, as you probably know, is one of the most tragic figures in human history. Before we turn to those verses, let's provide a backdrop to this story. I want you to imagine something where you're sitting or walking or standing. You have a mere few days left to live, but you're not sick, and you're not going to have a freak accident that will take your life. Imagine, though, that your friend, someone you brought close, someone who has been with you since the beginning, has been plotting behind your back to have you murdered. This is someone you've loved, someone you've invested in, and someone you have trusted, even trusted with all of your meager finances. Someone who knows that you are the real deal, someone that watched you give everything you had, saw countless miracles witnessed by your hand, and was taught the word by the greatest teacher that ever lived. And yet Jesus would be betrayed by one of his very own. The title of today's podcast is, Are You Ready to Do What It Takes to Make a Difference? Today, we are going to look at the depths that Jesus went through to demonstrate his love toward you and me, and what our response to that love should look like. Let's pick up this amazing story. In verse 1, it says, It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The first thing we see from this is that it's a holiday season. It's a joyous time, a time of celebration. Jews everywhere getting ready to celebrate their deliverance by the hand of God. It's not unlike how we celebrate for Thanksgiving or Christmas or perhaps Easter. The second thing we see is that John is saying that Jesus did it all. He loved till the end. He left nothing unfinished that the Father asked him to do. Above all else, he loved deeply and transformed hearts throughout the last days of his life. But in these next verses, Jesus is going to demonstrate the lengths he'll go to to love generously, and to live humbly. Get this, it says, The evening meal was in progress, in verse 2, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Imagine this. He gets up from the meal and disrobes of his outer garments. It says that he laid them aside and wrapped himself in a towel. What's interesting to note is that the custom of the day was that the lowest household servant would wash the feet of the guest. It would never be done by the host. Jesus broke tradition that day by taking off his clothes and wrapping himself in a towel and washing the disciples' feet. Peter, as we read in the text, starting in verse 6, begins to struggle with what Jesus is doing. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you, 
you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. Peter questioned the Lord's lowly act. Why? Why did he do that? Because he couldn't fathom Jesus taking off his clothes and getting on his hands and knees and washing their feet with a towel that was wrapped around him. In fact, when you look up these words in the Greek, it's a strong negative. Peter said, never will you wash my feet. But Jesus, as he so gently does, reminds him that it must be done. And then Peter says, do my head and my hands too. Peter gets it right, but it's usually after the second time. And I find myself doing that sometimes too. This act is so important in many ways. The bath represents the complete, unrepeatable cleansing of new birth. The washing of the feet represents the repeated cleansing of sin needed for intimacy with Christ after salvation. The apostles interpreted Jesus' words in verse 11. You are clean, but not all of you, to single out Judas. What is important for all of us to note is that foot washing is not set down as an ordinance. Maybe you've been a part of one. I've been a part of one. But Jesus was showing an example of what humble service looks like. That was his motivation. In verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And he asked a question. Do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What are we to glean from this? Jesus humbled himself in the form of the lowliest servant in the house and washed his disciples' feet while still being their master and teacher. Once again, do you think he was asking the disciples to go around washing everyone's feet? No. He was asking them to do much much more than that. He was showing them what humble service looks like. He was demonstrating what it looks like to serve others and to meet others' needs in a self-sacrificing way. Now, it's important for us to contrast why Jesus is spending time not only washing the disciples' feet, but demonstrating the level of humility that he did. If you'll recall, the disciples wanted to be big time. 
And I'm not going to read all the verses, but I think it's important for us to get a good view of this. We see several scriptures where they talk and actually argue about who's going to be the greatest. In fact, you might remember a story, or if you've never heard it before, that James and John, their mother, went to Jesus to petition him. The cool thing is actually she got it. She knew that he was the son of God. But she comes up to him and she says, will you grant my sons the ability to sit on your right and left in the kingdom? And Jesus looks at her and says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? And guess what they said? We can. But Jesus says something so important. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus was breaking the leadership paradigm of that day, demonstrating what true servant leadership looks like. It's incredible because what you see in those verses are so significant. Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, but I came to serve, even to the point of laying my life down to buy your life back. It's incredible. And then we read on in Mark chapter 9, where the disciples argue about who's the greatest. And Jesus, hearing some commotion going on, wants to understand what's happening. And sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Whoever wants to be the greatest must become a servant. Jesus was demonstrating servant leadership that was at the very heart of his ministry. How many of you would agree that pride gets in so quickly? We want to be served. We want to be taken care of. We want all of our needs met, and we don't want to be inconvenienced. Jesus, at every turn, was trying to show them a better way serve others first. There's a scripture that blows me away. It's just a beautiful, beautiful scripture. It's in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What are the themes that Jesus is sharing that we must take to heart? Listen to this. Number one is that greatness does not come through rulership or authority but through service, through service. Number two, greatness is determined not by status, but by service. Number three, those who are exalted are those who walk in humility. The Father exalts those who have humble hearts and walk in it. Those that will be the most highly esteemed are those who serve. 
and number five, to have the highest position among the great in God's kingdom. What did he say? One must be the very last and the servant of all. Isn't it incredible to believe that Jesus disrobed of his glory and willingly came to earth as a man to experience everything we do? You have to imagine what type of life he had in heaven. Angels attending to him, choirs in worship, glorious beauty all around. Things too beautiful for us to comprehend. Let me ask you, isn't it shocking to think that the God of the universe, who named every star, that beautifully fashioned the earth and created you and me, gets on his knees in the humblest way to wash dirty feet and ultimately to suffer the most horrendous death for you and me? In those verses we just read, Paul is saying, We are to have selfless concern for others, to have the same attitude as Christ, like-minded, selfless humility, says he made himself nothing, pouring himself out like a drink offering. It's incredible. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. What a loving God we serve. What an amazing God who demonstrates such a beautiful, loving passion, clothed in humility for you and me to see that there's a better way. What's interesting for all of us is that when you think about Jesus' life, and how he made himself available, and how he took opportunity at nearly every turn, that we have to believe that God didn't put us in our jobs for money, but to serve others. He put us in our neighborhood to serve. He put us in our community to serve. He gave us a hobby to serve. He placed us perfectly in our family with all the wrinkles to serve. This is so incredible. I'm trying to get this probably along with all of you, but feet washing is nasty. It's dirty. How many of you have seen smelly, stinky feet? It's not something we want to do, but it's something we are called to do. Every day we must thank God for putting us in a particular place to do His will. The family member I can't stand I'm going to love. The co-worker that I cannot get along with, I'm going to realize that I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. I'm going to love them till it hurts. To the neighbor that drives me crazy, I'm going to show kindness so they can see the love of God. Being generous with others is hard. We can do all sorts of things, but getting our hands dirty is what Jesus did. Getting down where it is dirty and stinky to love those around us is what it's all about. It demonstrates to the world, in God we trust. Peter was so touched by this sacrificial act of love, what did he say? Not my feet, but my hands and my whole body too, Lord. Why did he say that? Let me tell you why he 
He had never experienced someone loving him the way Jesus did. When we sacrificially wash the feet of our enemies, they experience true love. They see true sacrifice. When we sacrifice our time, energy, and resources, God is so pleased because that demonstrates Christ's love to a world that desperately needs it. So what became of Mother Teresa? As we shared, she started working with the poor, but she noticed something. The need was far greater than she could ever imagine. When most of us think of Mother Teresa, we think of her work in the slums of Calcutta, tending to the needs of the poor. The truth is that her first mission was loving Jesus Christ with all of her heart. Every morning she would wake up and say, Good morning, Jesus. She said, I serve him because I love him. She said, I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This Jesus has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. Jesus inspired her to serve others, so much so that she learned six languages. They say of her ministry, and this blew me away, it wasn't her goal to eliminate suffering as much as it was to love those who suffer. It wasn't about building shiny hospitals as it was to give a dying person a bed and a hand to hold in their last moments. Her mission was not so much to cure wounds and sores as it was to cure what she called the poverty of being lonely, unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. God, give us a heart to see you in disguise, to love those around us with a fervency you had when you gave your all for us. What you may not know is that Mother Teresa dealt with spiritual dryness for long periods of time. She once said, Where is my faith? When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there is such a convicting emptiness that those very thoughts return like sharp knives and hurt my very soul. But what did she do? In the face of that, she continued to serve. She continued to give generously. She wrote so many letters over a 66-year period that she said to those she wrote to, please burn them. I don't want people to think more of me than they think of Jesus. Mother Teresa, who lost her father at a young age, clung to the father who gave her life. She left a legacy of 610 missions around the world, homes for people with HIV-AIDS, leprosy and tuberculosis, as well as countless soup kitchens and mobile clinics. What are we asked to do? Romans 12.20 shocks me to the core because it says, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. In verse 18, it says, Do not take revenge, 
my dear friend. In 1 Peter 3.9, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. These words are incredible. And then you add in Matthew 5.44, and what does it say? Love those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. God is showing us a different way we can live our lives. That we're to turn the other cheek, literally turn the other cheek and show love. What does this look like in our lives? It means that the 20-year-old grudge, the 20 years of bitterness, I'm going to let go of and I'm going to love again. It means that the love that I've showed someone repeatedly over and over again and never gotten back anything in return, I'm going to do it again. Why? Because of his love. Because of what he's done in our lives. He said he laid aside his garments. He wrapped himself in a towel. Why did he do that? He was ready to serve, and serving is hard work. We have to catch this message in a way that touches our hearts to think about those around us that are struggling. Think about what Jesus knew before he started washing feet. He knew that someone was going to betray him, someone who turned their back on him, someone who'd walk up and give him a kiss only to be the betrayer, someone who would rob him over and over again. What did he do? He served him anyway. And what about Peter who said, wash my whole body too? Jesus was washing the feet of a man who denied him three times in his darkest hour. What did Jesus do? He washed his feet anyway. And what about Thomas, the doubter? who said, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and feet and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. What did he do? He washed the feet. Are we ready to serve the betrayers, the deniers, and the doubters in our lives? Because that is what Jesus did. That's what he was demonstrating. I will show you a better way. He said, if someone forces you to go one mile, forces, go two. He washed the feet of his disciples who couldn't pray for an hour in his darkest hour. My friends, this is a hard message for me, but these are keys to the kingdom. I'll tell you what it looks like in action. Last Sunday after church, a woman, Trish Kinnear, came after me. And she said someone she cared about deeply was on death's door. And she desperately tried that day to get a meeting so we could present the gospel. And he wouldn't do it. What did she do anyway? She washed his feet by taking him a steak dinner. That's what happens. Feet washing at its finest. But there's an important message here. Maybe some of us are like Judas. We betrayed the father. We don't have that relationship with him that we know we should. 
Judas was a pretender. He looked the part for three years, but he was missing the most important ingredient, true relationship with Jesus. The sad thing is that the longer he walked with the Lord, the colder he got. He didn't give Christ his full heart. Jesus is ready to wash feet. He is ready to wash yours and mine and forgive us of our doubt, denials, and our betrayals. To forgive sin is to wash us clean and make us new. But the other side of that is living generously by taking on the form of a servant and washing the feet of our children, our spouse, our betrayers, our doubters, and our deniers. Or we look a lot like Mother Teresa. We want to go out and look for Jesus in disguise everywhere we go. Isn't that what it truly means to take up our cross? And follow him. That he who comes to me must deny himself. This is not an easy word, but Jesus came to show us a better way. In James chapter 1, 22 through 25, there's a level of clarity in these verses that will shake every one of us if we can get a hold of it. It says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, They will be blessed in what they do. To be a servant leader is to live a life of generosity through sacrifice. In the place of anger, we love. In the place of hate, we love. In the place of dissension, we love. We wash the feet of those around us and we bring them the bread of life. Why? because it shows them the love of the Father. Living generously is the ultimate sacrifice. Living generously says, You've done so much for me, even when I didn't deserve it, that I am compelled to do whatever you want me to do. Living generously says that when you ask me to go one mile, I'll go two, just to make sure you're okay and you have what you need. Living generously says you come first before my needs. I'll esteem you higher than I esteem myself. What will drive revival in our land? I'll submit to you first and foremost is a strong relationship with our Heavenly Father. But secondly, because of that strong relationship, it's a servant's heart. What will drive revival? Those that live in humility, leaving ego at the door, ready to serve, ready to stand up, step out, and get in line, and get those hands dirty. Those willing to sacrifice time, resources, and treasure, and those willing to invest their all when they're asked to. 
May God bless you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to today's podcast. Would you take a moment and provide a rating, subscribe, and consider sharing this message of encouragement with others? You can also visit us on scottknuckles.com to get more information. Until next time, blessings.